0: Star Wars Summon by Summit, episode 2412. Today, the non-spoiler review for Into the Dark, the third of the three novels that kick off this first wave of phase one of the High Republic cross-platform storytelling initiative. Definitely enjoyable, unusually structured, and also featuring possibly the best running gag in all of Star Wars storytelling to date in the new canon. Punch it. Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, Into the Dark, that's the novel by Claudia Gray. It was just released last week and it is the first YA novel in the High Republic storytelling initiative. Now, ostensibly, it's supposed to be the tale of Wreath Silas, who is a Jedi Padawan. And he is going to the frontier, (laughs) not necessarily willingly. His master, Joramali, is going to be resigning from the Jedi Council and heading out to the frontier, heading out to the Starlight Beacon and doing good work out on the margins of the galaxy. Wreath however would much rather be in the Jedi Temple, would rather be in the library doing research he has his own corral basically where you know people know like that's where he goes and that's his space to be doing his research he would much rather be studying books and texts and all of those sorts of fun things than being out on Adventures, which paraphrasing he talks about as just being you know a situation where you're going to encounter lots of bugs. Now, I say it's ostensibly about Wreath Silas, but it's not entirely about him because, honestly, <laughs> the novel explores the supporting characters almost as much, if not more so in some cases, than Wreath himself. For example, there is Jedi Master Komak Vitis and Jedi Master Orla Jereni. Pronunciation. (laughs) We'll see. And these two masters are heading out, but it turns out that they have a history with the region in which the Starlight Beacon has been constructed. And so we're going to revisit that history. Meanwhile, the People who are operating the ship that is taking the Jedi out to the Starlight Beacon. They have their own concerns and their own history. I had a moment where if you ever saw the Californians skit... On Saturday Night Live, the recurring skit where just everybody has a secret and it becomes very soap opera-ish. That is kind of how the early sections of the novel are presented. You get to meet the characters, but they're all carrying some sort of secret that... They are keeping from themselves, keeping from the people around them. <laughs> and of course, all of these things are bound to come out. I think even Kevin Scott talked about something along these lines in one of the interviews leading up to the High Republic about um, characters having a past that's going to catch up to them. And that's one of the you know, great <laughs> tropes of Star Wars storytelling. and it's definitely on display with just about every, major and major supporting character in this novel so the jedi and the crew of the ship that's heading to the starlight beacon they're in hyperspace and the great disaster strikes and they manage to get out of hyperspace none the worse for wear knock on wood and are near a derelict space station this is all stuff that's generally public information out there that's been you know reported on and discussed or mentioned in interviews and so on and so forth so What, you know, like I said, we're in non-spoiler territory here. What I will say is that the adventures that they have on that space station are actually resolved halfway through the book. And so when I say that it's unusually structured, that was one part of it. Because it does almost feel like it's, you know, two novels or two novellas in a way. Because there's a clear ending to that portion of the book. And when they end up back on Coruscant and are dealing with the aftermath of the events and then (laughs) realizing that the aftermath was really bad and they're going to have to do something about that, it really could have stood alone, like the two sections could have stood alone as separate novels. And as I mentioned, Comac and Orla have a history with the area where the Starlight Beacon is being built. And that history is explored in flashbacks that, you know, essentially could be its own story because, you know, it doesn't necessarily bear... On the events of what happens in current time in the novel it just sort of weighs on the emotions and mental state of the characters more than anything else and in that sense it you know could well have been a standalone story in its own right. Ultimately, though, the read is compelling. Claudia Gray is a great storyteller. The way that she dives into stuff related to the Jedi and the Force is terrific. And this is where we meet the Drengir for the first time. And they are wicked scary (laughs) and are as formidable a foe as you could ever fear to come across. And, you know, this kind of completes a picture in a way because now we've met the primary enemies in their entirety well you know sort of like we've been introduced to them in their entirety at least as far as all the concept art we've been given so far right the Nile and the Drengir are are it, basically, and if that is it, if there, you know, aren't any other groups of villains coming, then, my goodness, this is going to be more than enough for the Jedi to deal with. This is going to be a handful and a half. And as for the crew of the ship that's taking the Jedi there, well... (laughs) There's been a lot said about uh, Leox, who is the captain of the ship, and I think Claudia Gray referred to him as sort of like space Matthew McConaughey trying to come up with the idea of a scoundrel operator who is not a Han Solo type. And you can kind of hear Matthew McConaughey's voice. If you put that voice in your head for the character, it works perfectly. Afi is the first mate for all intents and purposes, but has a strong connection to a shipping guild that is also involved tangentially with the... Great disaster, not as a cause or anything, just, you know, it'll get explained. And she has her own very compelling storyline that gets pursued as part of the novel as well. And then there's Geode. Geode is just this giant rock that is the navigator for the ship. And... (laughs) this is the running gag that goes on geode is treated as a you know regular sentient being and there are so many laugh lines in the narrative that that it's just it's insane. I can just imagine Claudia Gray, like I just, you know, that sort of out of control, like ha <laughs> ha, like crazy laughter. Like I can just hear it getting nuttier every time because it is so dry, it is so <laughs> to point on, it is just so much fun. And every time it's new and different and so well done. So to sum up, it's an entertaining read, it's got humor, it's got heart, it's got the kind of depth to the Jedi Order and learning more about what goes on <laughs> in the whole situation. That's all great stuff that Claudia Gray excels at, I will say, on the comedic side with Geode. That was not a side that I necessarily felt I had seen from her Previous material, but she has it nailed. So, you know, yet another way that she impresses with this book. And, you know, structurally just, you know, a little bit different, and that's perfectly okay. It is not really one straight story, it is kind of an interconnected story, and it makes for a different experience, but it's great to shake things up like that. So, There you go. That's the non-spoiler review of Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. And we will start digging into spoilerish territory on subsequent episodes. But for today, that is going to do it for this episode. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the world you may be.